Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Welcome to our fifth annual post-Super Bowl party CMO roundtable. Taylor Swift and MVP Patrick Mahomes wanted to join us, but hey, they're not CMOs. Instead, we are joined by Gary Vaynerchuk and nine CMOs, yes, nine, from brands that designed, created, and delivered some of the most noteworthy work of Super Bowl 58. Today, we have three separate 15-minute roundtables with three different CMOs. First up, we have Brett O'Brien from PepsiCo Frito-Lay, who brought us Dina and Mita this year. Russell Wager from Kia on their focus on electric vehicles as others retreat. And Corey Marchesoto from Elf Beauty on the importance of the Super Bowl for women and marketing engagement with women. The second roundtable brings us three CMOs who leverage humor and wit particularly well this year. Adam Kornbloom from L'Oreal, who will share with us the inside story of Michael Sarah and Sarah V. Andrea Zaretsky from Morgan Stanley Wealth and E-Trade. Yes, she's the pickleball CMO. And Gabrielle Wesley from Mars Wrigley, who will talk all about the almost champion M&M's idea. The final roundtable is with David Corns, the CMO of Open Door, who actually sold a home during halftime. Eric Edge of Alaska Airlines, who focused this year on their differentiating product features, and Michelle Dagnan, VP of Marketing at Mondelez and GM of Oreo, who taught us this year to twist our Oreo left or twist it right when we are facing life's biggest decisions. We begin the show with the one and only Gary Vaynerchuk on his take on Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, which, by the way, set a new global audience record. Let's get this party started. Hey, it's good to see everyone. Welcome to our annual party. We've done this in person in past years, right, Gary? Which is even more fun, but with the snow in New York, et cetera, et cetera, this is uh, the better way to do it this year. It was an amazing game, amazing experience. Gary was there live. I was not. I was in Dallas with a bunch of my childhood friends having a reunion and going to basketball games and watching it on a big screen and enjoying lots of consumer products. Some are represented on this this show. So, Gary, you were there for the whole experience, and you, you popped out to San Diego. You're back in New York now. So tell us about this Super Bowl experience. What was it like this year? What was different from past years? What was trending? What should people on this call, on this video, on this in this party know about? You know, Jim, being on the ground, I think the thing that I first noticed in comparison, and, in, and I'll contextualize this for the group, 
including things like the ANA or NBA All-Star Game or CAN, mm-hmm. there was a happiness mm. I was happy about. Like there was a good joy. There was a lot of positivity, which is interesting because if I'm being transparent, I really kind of like spent the most part of Q3, Q4, 2023, prepping for 2024 to be a contentious year with politics and all this. And so that struck me very heavily that there was just a lot of good vibes. And Vegas is kind of like, you know, it's a it's a nice, it's a fun place, at least for me in like your 20s, but it's become a place that I really have no interest in going to. Um, and and I felt like it was an incredible host for Super Bowl. Logistically, I think you're going to hear from a lot of friends, executives, people that went to the game. If you know people that are in event marketing or in sports, I think they did such a good job that I'm predicting that Vegas may have the Super Bowl every third or fourth year in the coming years. It, the logistics were outrageously strong. It was so easy to get to everything. I was very taken aback by that part. And then I think from a business standpoint for everyone, I think the big opportunity that I noticed, and I saw some tiny brands doing it, and I'm sure other big brands did it because it's a serendipity of how I was moving around town all week. I, I continue to believe that experiential is grossly underrated. I know why it's underrated because I'm empathetic that none of you can get it measured properly in your organization. It's hard to measure, right? Gary, what do you mean when you say experiential? I think that brands need to sample more, Jim, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Literally touch the product, whether it's a consumable or even, you know, uh, I'll use your old world, even whether it's a bag of detergent or even like something that people can't even use there, a deodorant. Nobody's going to grab it and take it on the spot. It's socially awkward. But I think touching product is, and definitely for consumables. If I'm, I think about the Super Bowl. If you're nerds, if you're Reese's, if you're Oreo, if you're any of the brands that were also running Super Bowl spots, to me, next year in New Orleans, do a heavy experiential and sampling campaign Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, film it all day long, and then have creative to support your spot in social the day of the Super Bowl and even the 24 hours after. I think it's a really interesting tie-in. So I, I thought there was some interesting experiential little things from like mm-hmm. startup direct to consumer brands that caught my attention. I think some of the big brands out here could be doing it. So happy, logistically strong. I was pleasantly excited about just the general temperament of human beings, which is something I pay attention to a lot. Did you meet any new friend, old friend who blew you away by what they were up to, what you talked about? Stacy and Michael from the PepsiCo team. I had a really productive lunch with them. It was really good to see them. Leslie from Verizon. Randy Moss came to one of our events mm-hmm. with- was fun yeah. to me, like 18 year old me nerded out on. We saw a lot of people, new friends. That's always the reason anyone here should ever consider to go to these things is the serendipity of the relationships you make, the double yeah. Oh, yeah. or the serendipitous new friend. Well, listen, for everyone, here's our game plan today. We're going to have three roundtables with about three CMOs in each roundtable. Each one was involved in the game, had a spot, had an experience. Open Door had a really interesting approach this year, Gary, on Experiential. We'll talk about that later. We're going to go 15 or 20 minutes with each group. It's going to be great fun, high energy. I'll, I'll try to navigate it. I'll do my best. So let's go. Thank you for kicking off roundtable number one. We have for our listeners, we have Brett O'Brien, CMO at Frito-Lay, Dina and Rita, my wife's watching it at breakfast this morning laughing, watching it over and over and over again. We have Russell Wager, the Perfect 10 spot, VP of Marketing for Key America, emotional, 
top 10 ad meter spot. And we have Corey Marchesoto, CMO of Elf and Key Soul Care on the Super Bowl. Really fun spot. Judge Beauty, again, a top winner in ad meter. So we've got some people who did some amazing work on Super Bowl Sunday and around that. So listen, I want to introduce yourself to our listeners by telling us which spot, which experience, which promo uh, during Super Bowl weekend was your favorite and why? And make it snappy. We just want to get to know you that way. So Brett, why don't you start? Our man from Frito-Lay. Hi, and, and uh, pumped to be a part of the conversation and thanks for having me join in. Yeah, my favorite moment of the Super Bowl, to be honest, was totally unexpected. We found out the night before, to Gary's point, we did a big activation right under uh, the New York, New York casino. We had a Cheetos chapel that was hosted by Dester Cheetah. And two of our employees called us and said, hey, we're engaged and we'd love to get married. Could we actually do it? And so we held a wedding at the, at the Chester Cheetah Chapel. And uh, it was I mean, literally like everybody was crying. Was, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. It was awesome. And um, yeah, that, that was that was pretty. It was this oh. emotional putting people together in a, in a forum that uh, you, we didn't anticipate. And it was uh, it was pretty, pretty magical. So love that part. If I may, Brett, any oh. a lot of Boehner employees on here, anyone who in the future wants to support an activation with such an aggressive life decision, it's an immediate promotion. Just need you to know that. <laughs> That's right. Like, <laughs> hell yes, we're getting married. Let's do this. This is awesome. I was reading a story in Ad Age this morning about what drives great results, creative effectiveness. It's creativity combined with empathy. So you nailed it there. Creativity and empathy, baby. It was a lot of empathy. It was awesome. So, Corey, how do you follow that? So, your your, your favorite ad experience, promo wedding, whenever you might, in the Super Bowl weekend? Uh, so, I have never actually been to the Super Bowl physically before, Jim. So, it was a pretty extraordinary moment for me. And I had the childlike wonderment of a kid running around a candy store. And my favorite part was the communal aspect of it. And I think that's the beauty of what the NFL brings, period. It is one of the only moments where people have a communal viewing experience, whether at home or at the big game itself. And whether it was going to uh, the incredible party that uh, VaynerMedia threw and getting together with friends and talking about the you know energy and excitement and emotion that we all had, or I really loved the moment at the NFL tailgate with TikTok where Gwen Stefani, sorry, but she is yeah. still yeah. a badass. Yeah. It was just a, an extraordinary moment. And the energy of the game, it was just very fulfilling, very soul lifting. And you left there feeling like, Gary, to your point, experiential bringing humans together is everything. Yeah. To that point, Corey, this is the last year we're doing this on Zoom, Jim. Yeah. Is, <laughs> Brett will have to fly from Texas. It is what it is. Like, we're just going to have to. It is what it is. In person. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, hey, quick favorite ad that wasn't yours. Quick, one word. I'm going to have to go with Duncan. I, Duncan's okay. I was Good. just blown away by the creativity and the humor and the emotional yeah. truth. Brett, how about you? I should have asked that. Your favorite one that wasn't yours. So, you should know this about me is uh, I'm from Boston. So, you could probably assume. Oh, which one I know what you love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Russell, over to you. Kia, very sentimental, very emotional spot. What was your favorite Super Bowl ad promo experience? So I, I'm I'm not going to be a homie and talk about mine right now. We can talk about that a little bit later. And I'm going to make it a clean sweep. The Duncan, I'm from the Northeast. When you get those amount of, of celebrities together, and it felt real. It felt like they were all living their real personalities. You got to love Matt. You got to love J-Lo for what she did. 
you pay attention to it. I'm not saying it because it was one of two that was in front of us in the ad meter. It was just a good relative communication that uh, engaged everybody. It was a little humor. I think everyone's going to remember who did it. Yeah, that's right. That's the key one, right? With all that stuff, all that humor, the celebs, the brand was at the center. Tim, if I may, I'm going to go with DoorDash. Mm, yeah. And the reason I'm saying that is, by the way, I like the Dunkin' Donuts commercial a lot, other than Dunkin' does make me think about the Patriots and I hate them with all my heart. But <laughs> I, think that, I do think that we continue as an industry, think about things like ad meter, which is just like everything in our industry has its strengths and weaknesses for measuring truth. What is truth is first party data. And what DoorDash is waking up with today is a ton of new customers in perpetuity. Yeah. I, obviously, an app is different than a CPG, is different yeah. than a car. I, everyone plays different. But I will say, thinking back to Denny's a decade ago, even more, I think now with that Facebook coupon, thinking back to Coinbase and the bouncing code, I really do think, if I may, for this illustrious group, as we head into 2025, my team knows I'm, I'm thrilled with our Ice Spice commercial and we did conquesting. And I think we're, we're excited about the story thing, but the team knows you know, like I still have feelings that we continue to miss the mark and miss the opportunity for more business oriented moments. I'll give you a for instance. If I was selling something that was $100 to $120 retail as a brand, since it was Super Bowl 58, if you run a clever commercial that says we're going to sell this for $58 for the rest of the Super Bowl until it hits 000, and here's where you go. I think we're similar to how like streaming overtook television and cable, similar to how Kim Kardashian is famous more so than Jennifer Aniston, similar to influencers are more famous than most people. Like as the world turns, I, I do expect in the next 10 Super Bowls for us to see 20, 30, 40% of the ads to have a clever call to action. I think we put creativity and humor on such a pedestal because we're a creative industry that we yeah. leave business too much off the table and there's real business to be done. And that's why I think DoorDash wins in a real way more so than people realize this morning. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, listen, uh, back to our, our three brands who advertised in the game. I'd like you to each briefly tell a bit of a story or a lesson or a special happening in the process of deciding to be in the big game, creating executing, evaluating it, as Gary's talking about, tying it to your business. Is there something that you've learned that will be helpful for our listeners in marketing in general and marketing, obviously, in the biggest day of marketing, at least in the U.S., maybe the world? So why don't we start, Brett, back to you. One quick story, lesson learning. You know, I think for us, so we're not newbies to the Super Bowl. This is our literally our 24th year running Doritos uh, Creative on Super Bowl. And so it's always tricky to say, well, what what's different this year? What's impactful this year? What do you want to, what are consumers, what's the truth that we want to talk about with our brand that makes a lot of sense? You know, one of the great things that we heard that we saw on the, on the Super Bowl this year is you, there's this great mix of emotion, but there's a great mix of fun. And what's going to work well for your brand and how do you bring it to life? And for us, it was a no brainer what we were going to talk about. We just launched this new innovation. We knew that um, we really wanted to tell people about Dinamita, but but we wanted to do it in a way that reflected like how people felt about this product. It was this amazing, hard to get, but like, I can't get enough of type of experience. You know, it, a lot of the process came down to immediately understanding, yes, we want to be a part of it because to be honest, Super Bowl for us is, it seems weird, but it's, it's like 
Super Bowl is our Super Bowl, which sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. we start from January 1 to Super Bowl with our entire field system gets so excited. And we get in store. And we're putting up merchandise. And we're, getting, we're stacking chips up as high as we can. And it's like this momentum of just this spirit of like, yes, like Super Bowl's here. And so... We want to pay that off with a lot of fun, but also just a, a true product truth and, and having a great experience around what Doritos offers. And for us, talking about something new was, was really special. What's what's also really cool about Dina Mita is Dina and Mita have known each other for about 35 years. They came up and acting together. We didn't know it. We found them. We cast them separately. And they happen to be really, really good friends. And we, they were all over the place in Vegas. And it was it was such a blast <laughs> to, uh, to see them come to life. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun with the ad, which I think is super, super important, but also Understanding the full scale of what it does for our system uh, is also incredibly important for us. Yeah. It was also beautifully, beautifully crafted, that ad. It's a beautiful piece of work. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. Russell, Kia, one lesson learning story. You said the philosophy of first decision. Why do you want to be in the Super Bowl? Why does a brand be in the Super Bowl? And 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 we have three thoughts. One is you're launching a new product, right? What bigger way of doing that? Second, you're telling something about your brand. Or or third, you're telling what your brand stands for. And and for Kia this year, we did one and two. So obviously we told them all about the new EV9, three-row SUV, but you we're not going to sell a hundred thousand of those things. It's not a lot of volume. That doesn't make sense. But more importantly, our message was to try to tell people we are committed to the electrified space. In the auto industry, all you hear right now is how electrified is slowing down, Ford's closing plants, they're not going to meet their goals. There's only one thing called Tesla. We have an internal mantra. The mantra is: hey, when you're considering electrified vehicle, you're thinking, I'm going to look at a Tesla and we want to be the next word after and. So this is a way of showing that we are committed to the electrified space. We saw not only to our sites, you know, obviously people come to our sites and every site on the brand after, but the shopping sites, you know, the the KBBs, the Edmonds, all those, they saw shopping far exceed any of the other auto brands and quite honestly, any of our past records. So it becomes a known brainer when you have that messages of one of those three. Mm -hmm. And this year we had those one and two. Well, you have my son who is married, lives in Detroit. They're having their second baby. He's looking at the EV9. He's blown away by it. So you did your job. There's a conquest of one. He's driving a Toyota now. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see where he comes out. So Corey, bring us home. Elf, Judge Beauty. And by the way, for those who can't see here, Corey has the most beautiful background, pink with an elf football. It's so good. So bring us home with your learning, your lesson, your story. I, first, I just have to say my two new favorite words are electrified space. So thank you very much, Russell, because I love being in electrified space and I love bringing the electricity myself. So I would boil it down to three letters, A, B, C, audience before content. 
And last year was our first foray at the Super Bowl. And there was a very important reason we were there. And it's because women were being underserved. 115 million people are there, of which nearly 50% were women. So if we do some real girl math here, it's almost 55 million viewers, yet less than 1% of the ads were beauty. So we felt we had an important move that we needed to make to bust the walls, bust the ceiling and say, hey, the Super Bowl is not for men. The Super Bowl is for every eye, lip and face. And we are here to serve our audience who is not being served. And we tested that hypothesis last year by bringing Jennifer Coolidge, who is a representation of a wide uh, range of audiences. She was equally popular with Gen Z as she was with older demographics. And the reaction was wildly positive. And our audience wanted us to be there. They wanted to see beauty. They wanted to see brands and products that were meaningful to them that were sitting it out for a multitude of reasons. So that gave us the energy to come back a second time. And the most important thing this time was us bringing universal truths that were culturally relevant and emotionally resonant for them. The first thing is they absolutely love our Halo Glow liquid filter. The second thing is they're obsessed with courtroom drama, obsessed. And the third thing that was really critical for us is this conversation that is happening around overpaying for beauty. That is a real conversation. People are having arguments with each other. Wait, why do I have to pay 40 bucks if Elf's giving me a better quality for 14? So we took what is a universal truth for our brand. We are here to make the best of beauty accessible. And we brought it together with culture entertainment and the center of the zeitgeist, the center of the conversation. And we put it on the biggest stage where the most women are actually attending. So it is really important for us to make sure that our brand is bringing forward a platform and, and a stage for our audience. A hundred percent agree with Corey. You know, one of the biggest things she just said was the audience. The most nerve wracking thing that I think any of us on this call have to deal with is how are you going to make an advertisement and add a message that's going to resonate with over a hundred million people, right? Any, any of us are really good at, okay, let me identify the 20 million people in this thing, the 15 over here. How do you make some message that is going to resonate? She did a great job. Judge Judy, it's it's in the culture, as she said. And, and it's the biggest thing that we fret over is like, are we going to tune out half the people when we do our messaging? And, yeah. and you just talked yeah. about, you know, a message of one. I think everyone relates to father, grandfather, daughter relationships, whether you have one, whether you know. So I think that's one of the biggest, audience scariest first. things that we have to do. Yes. Yeah. Audience first. Hey, we could go all day with this. these three. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to bring in our next panel, roundtable number two, three more advertisers. Gary, a quick comment on what we just heard as we bring in the next group. I like what Core said. I like, you know, we live for audience. I think audience is a slang term thrown around in corporate America. I think that we really, as an industry, are not consumer-centric enough. I think we're boardroom-centric. I think we're reports-centric. And so... I think it's the most important thing I've heard in this chat so far. I would just ask everybody to like, how much more can we actually do, right? Because I think yeah. we do things for the system, for our retailers, 
our resellers, our, you know, for the car industry, tier two, tier three. There's so much that we do things for that aren't the actual consumer. This is why we built a creative and media company that's based on social first because it's closest to the consumer and whoever's closest mm-hmm. to the consumer wins. And I think in general, if we can live what Corey said for everyone here, getting closer to the day-to-day marketing that is social. Because it's funny what Brett said, like, it's funny. I think of Super Bowl as the end of the year. We as a creative agency have been winning because we're doing marketing all year. And come September, October, November, we're extracting the consumer insights from the social work because we're marketing to so many different consumer segmentations. And then that becomes the brief for our creative, not the other way around. And so I just think that line by Corey about, you know, audience. And I also think we talk too much about potential reach versus actualized reach. I love Super Bowl. That 130, which I actually on the record believe is under under mm-hmm. measured actually has reach versus the Grammys or the Oscars or a lot of social, a lot of digital oh, yeah. email billboards. Those are all potential reach metrics that we're spending against. So I would just say more, more, more common sense, more, more, more audience. All right. Round table number two. We have three guests here, all advertised in the Super Bowl and all had really funny, funny, funny spots. So I want to welcome Gabrielle Wesley with Mars Wrigley. Of course, M&M is one of my favorite brands for so many years. I'm a huge brand fan. I have it on my desk right now. We have Adam Kornblum with CeraVe, which the spot sort of broke the internet, so I can't wait to hear about that. And then we have Andrea Zareski, previous guest on the CMO podcast. Good to see you again uh, with Morgan Stanley and E-Trade, of course, the Pickle Babies. So welcome to the roundtable. Let's start. Let's introduce yourself by what your favorite ad promo experience was during the big experience, the big game. Gabrielle, let's start with you and Mars Wrigley. Yeah. Hi, Jim. Great to to be here today and good to see you, Gary. I actually agree with you. My favorite ad was uh, DoorDash for the exact same reason that you talked about. There was a lot of fun in that ad, but also a real drive and call to action for the business. And uh, we all know how important first party data is. I'm I'm sure that DoorDash left the Super Bowl with, with quite a few customers. Adam, you're almost 25 years with L'Oreal. You know beauty. You did something that bucked a lot of beauty trends. But before we get to that, what's what was your favorite ad promo experience? Yeah, so I, I'm gonna just take a different approach for the sake of it. For me, I, I appreciated what Verizon did because I walked away knowing what the message was. I got it. And then when I look at what Gary was saying, the actualized reach and the actualized buzz, for it to, to go from TV to social and have that much buzz so quick um, and actually translate as one of the most engaged with brands, you know, for me, that, that measures something. Totally agree. Andrea, bring us home. I'm gonna shine a light on a first timer, which is Etsy. I think oh, they did yeah. such a fantastic job with this truth, which is that feeling you get when someone gives you a gift and you have to reciprocate. The commercial starts off with, oh crap, as they see the Statue of Liberty coming into the port. I thought that was hysterical. And the way they lit up this new gift mode feature, which the commercial was all about, they hired Drew Barrymore as their chief gifting officer. I thought that was brilliant. She's so Etsy and so on brand. So I thought that was a fabulous debut. Well, let's get into what your work, you all did amazing work. Uh, for the big game. And I'd like you, just as we did the first round table, because I think it's uh, it's a rich with learning, give you sort of an open platform to talk about, again, some story, some learning, some experience that you learn from 
in doing this work that our audience, our listeners could learn from. So Andrea, let's start with you with the Pickle Babies. This is now what? How many years have you done this? We have done 20 Super Bowl ads. This was the 11th appearance of the E-Trade Baby, third in a row. So, you know, a big legacy of of Super Bowl advertising. And I think what E-Trade has done well over the years is stay true to its brand, to its purpose and its brand. It's irreverent. It calls out truths. The baby is iconic in terms of really a spokesperson. And what we did this year is we really tried to amplify a full course strategy before the game, during the game, and after the game. We, um, to Gary's point, did something a little experiential. We sponsored Pickle Slam. It was a great event. The Sunday when there was no game between the playoffs and the Super Bowl, Steffi Graf, Andre Agassi, John McEnroe, Maria Sharpova, playing pickleball stars. E-Trade was all over it. And then what we're really excited about that we're doing after the game, again, Gary's point about performance, how do you do brand and performance, is we know that record numbers of people had a wager over the weekend and we're betting. 68 million people probably uh, had a bet over the weekend, something like $48 billion. We know that people need to think about their money after the game. So we have launched Money <laughs> Monday and we started advertising it right after our spot aired. And we drove everyone to E-Trade to take part of it. We had a big event yesterday. We have tools and education and we hope we have a special offer, limited time offer to open an account. So we're really looking to be more commercial with this year's event. That's a beautiful example of experiential and extending the impact of of this amazing weekend. Gabrielle, one of my favorite brands, M&Ms, they're almost champions work this year. So maybe tell us about the insight behind that and what you learned in bringing that to life. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that we can all understand is being everybody from an insight perspective wants to root for the underdog, but we all have been in situations where we didn't quite make it to that championship stage. I'll tell you, I I say this all the time. I grew up in Chicago. I'm a Bears fan. So I know the pain wanting to, to, to really be on that championship stage. We are located in New Jersey. You guys all know the uh, letdown that the Jets had this year. And, you know, you can name a ton of teams that, you know, wanted to be uh, playing on last Sunday. So they're more almost champions than there are people who actually get that Super Bowl ring. So understanding that insight, M&M's is a brand whose purpose is creating a uh, environment where everyone believes that they belong. And so to, uh, this, this year, we really wanted to highlight those folks that worked really, really hard, are very well known, but just never received that Super Bowl ring so that we honored them um, with an almost champion ring made out of the delicious signature peanut butter from uh, peanut butter M&M's. Will you continue that idea as we go forward? Absolutely. You know, this is really the launch and kickoff to an entire year of um, new product innovation. We've got peanut butter M&M's in minis and in mega form coming out this year. So providing a a year long and hopefully a, a generation of comfort. It was really fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously, you know, as it relates to that. And you you have to laugh before you cry when you're an almost champion. You know how passionate uh, sports fans are. But it was just something we can all we can all understand and have all been through. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half story. 
because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. I thought it was a good night for CBG, by the way, consumer goods. A lot of creativity, call to action, differentiation, true to the brand. So, and, you know, that's, that's a, on a good note, I'll turn to Adam and your, your work with Cerebi, which uh, is obviously a trending brand, a booming brand, one of the hot brands of, of last year. And you took that and you just did something that's brilliant. Everyone out there wants to unleash creativity and do something that, that uh, just breaks the internet. You did it. You're doing it. So tell us how that happened, what we can learn from what you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it's, I would say it starts with that RFP, the brief, like the Super Bowl spot, the ad, that was one element of the brief, right? My ask was, I need to create an immersive storytelling world. I want to tell it in phases. I want to kind of break the internet before the Super Bowl, right? So we can warm up the tires a little bit before we just hit the gas. And the Super Bowl ad for me, I mean, it's obviously costly, but it ma- it's a big one. But I think for us, all, each step of the way, every touch point is just as important, right? So we told this Michael Cerebi story. What we're seeing a lot in skincare for us is there's a lot of brands copying, like, you know, specifically Cerebi with some of our codes, right? In our brand, in our logo, it says we're developer dermatologist. All of a sudden, you know, medical skincare is super hot. So everyone's apparently developer dermatologist. For us, it was like, all right, well, let's put Michael Sarah in the front, you know, let him say that, you know, he just developed the brand and then let's like steal this brand back from the guy who's trying to steal it from us and create some like wild banter. And like, you know, so phase one is this speculation phase, this fake news. We disclosed in all of these fake news posts that it was a, it was an ad, but people love stories. They like being part of a story, they like being told a story. So no one really cared. Some people actually just ignored it and was like, I can't believe this guy. Some people called us stupid for not working with him. I mean, it was quite incredible, but the buzz was unbelievable. Like billions and billions of impressions from PR to social, you know, on our website, we had a pop-up saying like, you know, this guy, you know, we appreciate him. He's a great actor, but like we're developer dermatologists, not this guy, you know, just, we just share a name, you know, so every touch point had a purpose. And I think for us, it was really like, how do we tell a story? And the Super Bowl, it's an important moment, which can end the story or, you know, kind of continue it, but be our last phase of storytelling. So we go fake news, the fight goes public, the resolution. And that's where we are today in the resolution stage. But the reality is the RFP in brief was not like I need a Super Bowl ad. Of course, I put that in. So the agencies were like, yeah, all right. Like we're all in, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was like, I need a 360 idea. I want a command center. I want to be doing stuff in real time. Like give me a massive plan that tells a story and brings people along for the ride and builds on what we do every day. We work with creators every day, trying to do funky content, different stuff with derms. So how do we build on what we're good at? And Michael Sarah, people were saying that, you know, he developed this brand as a joke on Reddit and other channels. So we do a lot of social listening, search listening. And it was like, we just leaned into a conversation that people had and people enjoyed having and making fun with. And you're really just enjoying even that fake storytelling. So we leaned into what people actually talk about versus just what we want to push. 
Hey, uh, you know, the work that you did makes people laugh, think, they're proud, they want to be involved in the brand. Could you speak a little bit about the role of the work that you all did for the Super Bowl with your culture inside your company? You know, how do you leverage it that way? How do you use, because obviously every brand is only as good as the culture behind the brand. So what do you do to leverage this creativity, this work, this exposure with your teams, your people? Andrea, you're nodding and smiling. I'll start with you. That was so important this time to make sure we had a really dedicated employee engagement aspect to our plan. E-Trade's mission is to get off the bench and take charge of your financial life. So with this Money Monday concept, the day after, we had a whole employee plan where employees could take part of this event yesterday, take some time to focus on their financial health, look at their portfolio, come up with something new. You know, we were one of only two financial services advertisers in the game. Usually we are. And so we really have a nice role in, in owning that category. And we felt, you know, just like wellness and every other aspect of health, financial health is as important. So we engaged uh, record numbers of employees yesterday. And I think they feel a lot of pride getting involved and being part of that E-Trade brand. Um, the one thing is we're also a sub-brand within Morgan Stanley, yeah. you know, part of an, uh, an acquisition of a couple of years ago. So this is a real way for Morgan Stanley folks, legacy folks, to feel the E-Trade vibe and get involved and be proud of it too. Adam, how about you with this amazing event? So what's interesting about the question is this is the first time L'Oreal as a whole has done a Super Bowl ad and they're quite a large advertiser. So I think for me, I had to tap into more of the cultural entrepreneurial mindset of our super seniors to get everybody excited about this. You know, I think generally the question has been like, CeraVe's become a billionaire brand inside of L'Oreal. How do we continue at this pace? So there was a lot of formulations of figuring out how to sell it in. But I think for me, it was selling it in and then keeping this sold in at the rawest level and tapping into different cult, like pieces of the company, like the entrepreneurial aspect of at least the CeraVe brand and what we stood for that needed to really filter up to the top of L'Oreal. And they went for it all in. Yeah, I'll say. I will say that, um, you know, the consumer is always at the heart of everything that we do. And so it was really important throughout our, our planning process that we started every conversation about Almost Champions with almost an AA style um, introduction from the team. So, hi, I'm Gabrielle. I'm a Bears fan. Hi, Gabrielle. Tell us about your Almost Champion story or tell me about, you know, how you felt as it relates who your team is and a, a time where your team lost. And the NFL is such an important partner for us in everything that we do that, you know, we have our team logos and our and that that piece all within our our teams. And so keeping that at the heart, the insight of being an almost champion and how that feels and you know maybe how you felt ignored or you you felt um, alienated from from that, keeping that at the heart, but keeping it fun is it was always a part of every conversation. Before every meeting, we had that conversation, we had that tidbit so that we understood whether it's a social post that we we gathered or we gra grabbed from, you know, from our brand or from a team, it really embodied how people felt about being on the stage and not being able to get that Super Bowl ring or be able to win. Trust me, we had a, a lot of, we have a lot of Lions fans uh, at Mars that, uh, you know, gave us some really great stories. 
I hope you show up at March Madness this year for both the women and the men. I think that would be awesome. There are so many almost champions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just making, there are so many people who wanted to make it to the big dance or even be part of the 64 teams that, that aren't. So it, it will definitely resonate throughout the year. Gabrielle, Adam, Andrea, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this wonderful discussion. Great lessons. Great to see you. As we phase you out and bring roundtable number three, and I want Gary once again to comment on what we just talked about. It was rich. Oh, that was a that was a really good combo, obviously. And again, I touched on this, and I think about these things as like Super Bowl, but then also a lot of people here are, are friends and acquaintances and, and become part of this community. I think if you look at Adam's background when he was at Ogilvy and what he's doing now. It's not confusing that he grew up in a social media lens. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where Cerebe really won. Look, we are a social first creative AOR, not because of what I'm saying now. We we went into it. And I think Cerebe really did that this year. And I think there's a lot to learn from it. I really do. And I think that everybody here, we, we launched a new product this year called Super Bowl Surround Sound so that we could come in and do what we do well even if we didn't do the Super Bowl spot. And we felt we priced it in a manner, given how much people are spending on Super Bowl media, 7 million. We all know the talent, the production, the creative agency, the director, it gets expensive. And so I was sitting there thinking about like why our stuff did well with Mr. Peanut or Pepsi stuff in the past. And I'm like, man, it is this surround sound. It is the before and after within social. And it's not matching luggage, which I think a lot of people do. Yeah. It's what we saw Adam do, which was it's creativity in a different way that's contextual to those platforms to create that one plus one equals 11. And so I think a lot of you are going to be doing another Super Bowl spot next year. And whether you bring in someone that looks like us or us directly to do the surround sound or challenging your creative agencies, especially the classic TV ones, to truly, when they talk about it's Omni, we're doing matching luggage. We're doing banner ads and social that match the spot. I think the thing that stood out for me out of that talk, the m, &M stuff is, I mean, like, kudos to them. Like, that's iconic and always right. But I, I do think it really caught my attention long before the game, what Survey was doing. And, and I think a lot of people here have the potential to do that. And now that everyone's sneaking out their spot before the game, Jim, there's really like no downside to being very thoughtful for the three weeks leading up to the game. And think about like the NFL playoffs. You could tell incredible. I mean, there's a lot of creative people here. Yeah. Knowing that the Super Bowl is attached to the NFL playoffs, there's such a natural story to be told in four parts. But again, we got to get out of this matching luggage spot mm -hmm. down and we need to get into spot surrounded by. And I think Cerve, yeah. I'm very jealous. It's a beautiful example. Like yeah. a joking way. I'm so proud of them and Adam. And again, I literally went to Adam's LinkedIn for the purpose of like, this was too like, and sure enough, the social track at an agency. Yep. I think this is the modern marketer, if I... Yeah. I may career path, talent, building the right team, lessons all around. My big takeaway is the true 360 nature of Super Bowl. I think we'll start to the cats out of the bag, and I think people will dissect survey very carefully. And I think I'm happy about that because I think it will get people into the right mindset. Michelle, I'm twisting an Oreo right now to decide who I go to first in the round table number three. <laughs> Love that. Our next group of guests, we have real, and it, this is an interesting panel to close on because I think it's three companies, three brands who took different approaches. 
in Super Bowl 2024. So we have David Corns with Open Door, which I think you did what has never been done before. You, you sold a home during halftime. So we're going to get to that in a minute. We have Michelle Danen, VP of Marketing, Oreo, Mondelez. Amazing. Oreo's back every year. Keeps us laughing, keeps us thinking. And we have Alaska Airlines. Is this your first year with the Super Bowl, Aaron? No, we've done a few. Always local, okay. though. Always local. Okay. And you included your employees in the executions, along with some great talent. So, so I'm eager to talk all three of you. But let's start by introducing yourself with what was your favorite ad promo experience from the weekend? So, Michelle, let's start with you. Sure. Firstly, thanks for having me, Jim. Gary, great to be here. So it's funny as we talk a lot about surround sound and we think about how do you juice the your presence in the big game for more than the 30 or 60 seconds that we buy. And I think for me, uh, we've heard a lot about CeraVe and I think they did an amazing job. I also think Uber Eats mm -hmm. really did a great job in the amplification and the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. So for me, if I think about how authentically they did that, jumping on the David, David and Victoria Beckham meme, which was just so self-deprecating and so laugh out loud funny, I've got to give them a ton of credit for that because I think they really built their coverage strong in the upfront, which is what most of us as you know players in the big game look to do. We look to amplify and make sure our brands are in the cultural conversation in the run-up. And I think they did a really nice job of that. Eric Edge of Alaska Airlines. Stories about Nick and Tan later, but tell us which, which piece of work blew you away. Our buddies, Nick and Tan. Um, I was a big Duncan fan, but I know everyone said that. You know, if you think about people walking away with something stuck in their head in one singular message, I thought State Farm crushed it. If you want everyone to associate neighbor with State Farm, well, they did the job. And so that really stood out to me. I have to shout out Dove and NFL. I, I really think that while it wasn't the pinnacle of creativity, I do think taking airtime to land messaging around bullying with NFL, around body confidence for youth with Dove, you know, you can say what you want about the creative, but thank you for putting that forward. So I did appreciate that as well. David. My favorite spot this year is not one that I'd usually go for. And it's actually very kind of TV only, which was Reese's Caramel Big Cup, which again is not to my usual tastes, worked by Eric and Carlman. And what I liked about it is I think people watch the big game, they're pretty distracted while they're doing it. I would say like a 60 feels like a 30, a 30 feels like a 15 during the yeah. Super Bowl. And I think they stood out, one, actually by not having celebrities, not having big CGI, and just really leaning into their comedy. So it was a clear idea. It was, I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was like, that was what was great about it. It made me love the Reese's brand, and it made me want to try a Reese's big cup. So that was it. Again, not to my usual taste, surprised it's my favorite, but that was actually the one that stood out to me because it was so clean and crisp. It kind of knew what it was doing and it did it well. So it's, it's just beautiful insight. It's all about the product and it's beautifully done. I agree with you. I agree with you. I thought there was something very classic about it and simple. And I think a lot of times people remember, I mean, the amount of people that are going to say, even with the Duncan, which is so easy to associate with Boston, because I read the commentary, the amount of people are like, the Ben Affleck ad was awesome. Yeah, right? I couldn't the, agree more. Right, the, the Scarlett Johansson ad is awesome, right? Like you can get very caught. I think that there's something really important, David, there in that ad for sure. 
it's funny, Gary, because someone said to me, who won the Super Bowl this year? And I said, uh, I think it was the celeb talent agents that won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Always. You know? CBS too. Overtime was good for CBS. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very good. There's a lot. One one interesting thing I realized too was Ali Cote and Brand Growth Group called out the majority of the celebs are actually Gen X plus this year. Oh, so yeah. it's actually kind of an older generation of celebs too, which is interesting, probably because we all live in a very different media world. So there's very few that all of America get. The brands represented here today, I think, did celeb well. But I think it's, you know, there, there becomes a risk over time of borrowed equity. And how do you make that mm-hmm. Precious bad time about you. It's why I also really like the Google Pixel ad because I still believe if you make people cry and emotional, I'm really hoping in the next five years, but somebody's going to take the risk to truly make America cry. And we've all seen videos that have done it. They don't look like a commercial. They look more like like an actual piece of content. But I think somebody's going to go for it because I think it matters. Empathy plus creativity. Hey, for, for our roundtable, I'd like you to all go around and talk about what your ambition was this year with your involvement with the Super Bowl. Because you have three different approaches here, right? So talk a bit about what your ambition was. Did you fulfill it? How do you feel about it? What did you learn as you did that? So Eric, let's start with you. Alaska Airlines, a regional player in this whole Super Bowl experience. Your line, we care a lot. You have some great talent. You bring your employees into the execution. So Please go with your ambition and how you feel about delivering it. I mean, you said it, airlines are a local game. And so I think really engaging consumers in, in local markets is key. We're launching a new campaign. It was a pivot for the brand. We've talked about care. You mentioned TAN. We had TAN France at the core of that for the past few years. We had safety dance in the middle of COVID, which also ran during Super Bowl. So we've had these moments of care. But what we wanted to land this time was just a differentiated product that we have. We wanted to lean into a product message. And so maybe counter to what we're all talking about. We actually stripped back celebrity. We didn't work with Dan again. We pulled the celebrity piece out and we focused wholly in on the product. And so if you're in one of our our key markets where we ran the ads, you saw us with our core humor that we bring to the table. You saw us talking about the product and the fact that we have the most leg room in our premium and first class cabins. And we said, let's do it. Let's go all back to Gary's point on reach. This is a moment of authentic reach. I went into this saying, this is not going to be the celebrity spot that gets top of ad meter. And I was fully okay with that because I knew that we were going to launch a differentiated message in a way that was authentic to the brand. And and instead of turning away from it because we were nervous that it was a little bit not on that traditional Super Bowl track, we said, we're going to lean all into this and this is going to be the launch moment for our campaign. Eric's point is massive. This goes back to my DoorDash thing. Like, I do think we all have to be a little bit careful to like do things for the award or the metric or the report. Like that was a business talk, what Eric just did. And that that gets me fired up. And I do think you can do both. And I think we all know that, but I do think I can speak because I've interviewed a million of them, all the ECDs and GCDs and CDs and CCOs. Every creative agency only wants the hype. There's zero business DNA in, in that part of it, that means everyone here needs to fight for that even more. And I love also they took the care idea and you just stay with it. You execute differently, but you stay with the core idea of the brand. So Michelle, this isn't your first rodeo, your first Super Bowl. Oreo's been a player. It's, it's obviously an iconic brand. Talk about your ambition this year and how do you feel about it? I think when you bring a brand like Oreo to the big game, it's not about driving overall awareness, right? Like this is a brand, 98% awareness, incredibly iconic. 
so 110 years old. And for us, it was really about, as we think about Oreo, always wanting Oreo to be at the front and center of cultural conversation and in the cultural zeitgeist. That was a big part of our decision to come back to the big game. So the consumer on Oreo is so ubiquitous, spans so many age demos, as is the those that, that watch the big game on the other side. So that was a perfect partnership for us, I would say, as we thought about it. We really were all about playfulness on Oreo and playfulness at our heart. So in our ad, you'll see a bit of we're being playfully provocative. So just pushing the edge of playfulness, given the the game that we're in. And for us, it was really about launching this new platform. So this idea of twist on it. So twist on it, we know for Oreo is a ritual with consumers. They twist their Oreo before they eat it. So it was a perfect communications platform for us to say, okay, we really believe in this. So the conversation around distinctiveness, it's the biggest mistake any marketer will make, right? You spend X X millions getting your ad in the big game, but no one remembers it's for your brand. So being distinctive was so important. And that's what we so loved around this idea of the twist on it and Oreo being the decision maker. So we really leaned into that. And then it it was great to be able to tell the multiple stories of how Oreo has helped make decisions through the test of time. I would say it was always distinctively Oreo in its tone and how we were trying to show up a little bit more playfully provocative. But most of all, we wanted to entertain and have people walk away with that was an Oreo ad. After you twist, do you take the cream off first and then eat the chocolate wafers or do you don't? One and dunk, baby. That's the way it goes in my house. Okay. So David, Open Door. I've been following this. I think it's so clever. It's it's so fun. It's so on brand. It's a demo. Tell us about your whole approach this year, what your ambition was and how you feel about delivering it. Part of our marketing strategy is kind of how do we hack into culture? We're unlike some of the other brands represented today. You know, we're still on the path of building aided awareness for Open Door and, and building it into uh, an iconic brand. So, really, we started, you know, at the right place to start, which is, well, you know, what's the idea? And Mischief brought us this great idea, which was like, our product is simple, certain, fast. We've digitized real estate. So, you know, regardless of, of what's happening, doesn't matter if the house is a mess, if Usher's playing in the back room, you can sell your home to Open Door in less time than it takes for a half time of a game. And that's really where it started. So we were like, okay, well, let's walk the walk. Let's let's do it for real. So knowing we we bought regionally, we bought in Atlanta. So we mm-hmm. ran in Atlanta, which is the hardest market to sell your home in right now. So it's very strategic why we bought regionally there. And then knowing the pre-hype of the Super Bowl game, we have teasers running on air talking about this halftime showing to kind of build PR interest and got uh, a huge amount of free PR impressions because not only were we talking about you know the speed and the ease of the product, but the fact that we were willing to um, put our money where our mouth is and, and do this for real, I think got us a lot of attention. So there was the buildup. And then the, on the actual night, if you're watching in Atlanta, we cut kind of live to a real person on their real phone in their real house where they talk to, they're about to do this virtual tour and potentially sell their home to Open Door during the halftime show. You could go to opendoor.com and we streamed our virtual assessment live. And 
I think did it in uh, less than nine minutes. And then when you got to Q3, cut back live to the real customer's phone, their real house, outside their real house where they announced like, that's it, we're done, we're selling our house to Open Door. Um, so it was really designed to like kind of hijack and hack the pre-hype ahead of Super Bowl, knowing that, that we wouldn't have national coverage on the day. It was a great experience and, and, a, and a world first. We, we sold, you know, someone sold yeah, us sure was. their house. Hey, we're, we're getting close to signing off. This has been marvelous all around. From the Vayner team, is there any, are there any questions that have been coming in in the chat? Any themes, anything you want us to address before we sign off our last roundtable? So many massive themes, Jim. Thank you so much for bringing everybody together and moderating. Um, You absolutely always crush this. I feel like we could talk about the power of the female dollar. We could talk about culture. We could talk about celebrity. We could talk about social versus kind of on air. So we'll have to, you know, bake that out for next time around. But just want to say huge thank you to our partners and these wonderful panelists for joining us. Um, This has been amazing, fascinating, so fun. Hey, one one final thought for all of you. When I was back at PNG many years ago, and we had not advertised the Super Bowl, I used it as a contest. So I would pay for the spot to the most creative team. And it wasn't just that, it was, it was kind of a gimmick, but it just made a statement that we're raising our bar. We want all teams to stretch. We want to change the way we think about creativity and impact and effectiveness. So the question I asked one of the round tables about culture, internal culture, never forget the power of this to engage your employees and raise the bar for all of us on our potential to do amazing work. So anyway, I think that's a wrap. Thank you, everyone. Glad you had a happy Super Bowl season. See you in March Madness. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.